Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, the Renault Dealer of the Year and most Google-reviewed dealership in Ireland. For award-winning customer service you can trust, visit us today. Blackstone Motors, drive with peace of mind. 041-983-1100. You're so welcome to Tuesday Afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio and we're diving in straight away today with our first course on the show and my first guest today has become a best dressed lady aficionado listen to this and it's all by accident uh, yes we've chatted before to Emer Cassidy about her eye for fashion she's won at Pontchestown was there or thereabouts at the Curra won at Belliestown and went back to Belliestown and was runner up a winner at Kelbegan finalist in Galway and certainly caught the eye at the RDS horse show today we're in a totally different tack however as we head for the sky with Emer, who's cabin crew with Aer Lingus. It is great to see you again. Hi, Jerry. Thank you so much for having me. Not at in. all. It's great to catch up. Yeah, it is indeed, and great to see you. You're on the ground today. You've been busy. I'll tell you, I rang her last week, and so this one's all over the world. Off yesterday and off today, yes? Yes, I, I needed them too. Um, and actually, I was off the other day. I was off the day before because I choked on a piece of steak. No way. <laughs> yeah, I was at the light ball, charity ball, and I choked on a piece of steak. But they, they so, got the piece of steak up. Uh, it, it took a time to go down. I couldn't yeah, go up, okay. Yeah, frightening, yeah, so. frightening yes. experience. And I'm sure something in your training for the job you do as well. Yeah, that's strange. I actually did say that to someone that I was sitting at the table and what I wanted to do was run. I wanted to run. I was embarrassed. I was choking, you know. And uh, But everything that I've been trained to do is stay with the crowd, stay calm, you know, show signals, get people's help. And I did that and only for that, like, you know, people did help me around the mm. table. So, yeah. Mm. And apparently the best thing if you're choking is Coke, Coca-Cola. The gases in it and the carbon dioxide, I think it is, it... Um, it pushes, the fizz dissolves the food, but the gases push the food. Mm. So yes, Coca-Cola is the number one trick. Ha, has this happened on a flight with you? Have you um, had someone ever in that situation? Yeah, you do. I mean, flying is quite stressful for people. Um, from getting packed to getting through the airport, Dublin airport's quite stressful. Getting on board, sitting down, getting the kids' toys up, and the, you know what I mean? So it's quite stressful. And then most times people don't actually eat from the time that they leave the house until they get to the airport, or they might have a drink or you know so once they get on board then they're like shoveling it down because they might have kids to look after or um, you know friends with them and they're talking laughing and yes it does happen unfortunately to to be fair like I'm quite lucky nothing's ever seriously yeah. happened though mm. in regards to choking other issues have happened but not choking You're flying since 2014 yes, yes? Best Do you ever. remember the first flight you know you're part of the cabin crew Yes uh, so we have to do um 
fam flights are called um, and they're just like familiarisation flights for us and it's like a little support network that we get on we're not an active number but we do look at everything that's going on and we are part of the team um, and then we have a test in the air where a line checker will come and just to ensure that we have remembered our training and that we do it correctly and everything's done for procedures and guidelines um, so yeah it is quite nerve wracking because you know, everyone in the cabin, the passengers, they don't know that you're only new. You're a rookie. Yes, you're totally new. Uh, you've done everything in the classroom and now you have to apply that in the air. It is quite daunting. But I have to say the crew are absolutely fabulous. Like They, they know when it's your first flight and they mm. do support you. Yeah. So after you go through all your training, you do the familiarisation flights, you're yeah. tested in the air before you're finally accredited as being a cabin crew member. Yes, yeah, so you do six weeks quite intense uh, training. Um, and I mean... I really didn't know and I really underestimate how hard the training actually is. I started on a Monday and on the Tuesday I was crying at home reconsidering whether to go back because the training was quite hard. Our trainer Eileen was absolutely excellent and she was very thorough. Um, she was a t- tough but she was fair and she really trained us to a very high standard and I realised that even more as I kind of mm. go along in my job. Um yeah, it was quite difficult. I really thought I was going in to learn about chicken or beef tea and coffee and it is absolutely nothing to do with chicken or beef. <laughs> I mean, I was shocked. It was like learning all the airport codes and, you know, where to move a suspicious device. I won't mention any particular words, yes. but where to move that suspicious device. Or, you know, even nowadays, like um, in many areas of transport, you know, there's trafficking and there's all sorts happening now. Um, and it's the air is no different. So we kind of are there as first aiders. We're there as child minders. We're there as therapists. We're there as a happy, smiley face. You know, I have to say the Aer Lingus crew are quite different, I believe, to other crew. We have that Irish little zazz about us. I, think, I agree you know? with you. Yeah. And I, I am being biased there, but I'm with no, you all the way yeah. on that. I always get that feeling when yeah. I fly Aer Lingus. I have to say that. Um, so there's a lot more to this. You have to become a counsellor, a psychotherapist. Yeah, you just have to be very aware of your Mm. surroundings. I mean, if you're walking down the cabin, on one side you might have a family. That's their very first holiday ever and they're taking the kids to Disneyland and they're so excited and, you know, they can't contain themselves and they've saved all year for this um, and the kids are excited, the parents are tired and excited. You look the other way and we might be taking someone home to go to a funeral Mm. uh, and we might have someone's loved one with us, um, you know. Um, So it is quite difficult. You do have to have many faces, um, but we are trained well to that and we're human as well. So we do Mm. understand that. Do you ever think about each day you step on board and you go up there because flying is a a big thing you you said it yourself a few moments ago for people who maybe for the first time or have a fear of it or you just at this stage not think about it Um, I've got one of the most incredible offices in the world to be fair Um, the views I see the people I am with every day uh, meeting new people it's you know it's not a lot to complain about to be fair however there was moments where I've been sitting in my seat and I look out the window and I'm soaring to the sky and I'm like, what am I doing? What am I doing? What am I doing? I don't like heights. What am I doing? But it's strange. Do you not like heights? Um, no, I'm not a fan of them. <laughs> what are you doing at yeah. 20,000 feet? Um, it's quite safe up there. It's safer than being on the ground, would you believe? Um, yeah. It's funny. It's like you put on a uniform and you're different. You know, I used to... Um, be a member of the Boyne Fisherman's Rescue and I don't particularly like it into freezing cold water but you put that uniform on and you're different it just becomes different you become someone that you're meant to know these things you're 
you know, the person that they look to. And I think as humans, we're naturally caring. So I want to do that. Um, so I don't really think about it. You just, you do it. It's like you coming in out here every day. If you yeah. thought of what you sounded like on the other side. or Stop the lights. You know, yeah, you mightn't do it. So for me, I put on that uniform. I put on a smile. But it also yeah. helps that I love my job. I genuinely love my job. I go in there smiling. I come out smiling. I do. We all have bad days in work. But every day is different. And I, I'm just... I'm sorry I didn't do it years ago. No, listen, yeah. I sort of get that feeling myself. I'm a latecomer to this game as well. And I'm, I, I really want to interview you one day. <laughs> I am determined to interview you because, you see, he's, he's already getting nervous. I am a little. Well, because do you know, you know you what? Do you know you can interview me? Up in the sky. I <laughs> would gladly do that. I would gladly do that because, Jerry, do you know what the thing is? We all, we all know you from the radio, mm. but... We want to know you. Okay. And we want to know your story. Well, leave that with us. Sinead yeah, is, li- is listening carefully in there <laughs> and she's nodding up. and the tum is up as well. Jerry so I looks think- nervous, Sinead's <laughs> up and happy. <laughs> Never had the tables oh, turned to me like this before. I'd say this is a first today. They need to be changed. Come back to you and, and being yeah. up and, and from yeah. a, a passenger's point of yeah. view, if I may say to you, turbulence. You know when yeah. you hit turbulence and yeah. that little light goes on and you hit rough turbulence. Have you ever been in a real rough one? Yes. Yes, I have. Um, you get the odd spontaneous one where no one's aware of. But you have to remember, everyone, you have to remember the people that are flying the plane, the pilots, OK, they will never take themselves in, in an unsafe situation. And they are first, OK, in the sense that they're in charge, they're the drivers, you know, in the front of the car and, and so forth, obviously in a plane. But before they fly, they look at weather. They're very, you know, um, well educated on the weather system. And that's part of their job. So they before when they check in, they've got a briefing just like us. We check in long before the passengers get there and they go through the weather and what it's safe to do so and the wind and so forth. So they know all this before we even land in the other country. It is so safe when you go up in the sky. It really is. And the turbulence, I try to explain it to the nervous passengers like, if you imagine a jet ski, now I could be totally wrong, but this is what I see in my head. If you imagine a jet ski going over the water and then your friend goes behind you on their jet ski and you go over a few bumps and whatever. That's what turbulence is. If you wanted to visualise it, it's just pockets of air in the sky. It's not dangerous. It's, um, if you look at the statistics, it really isn't, Mm. you know. Have you ever been in one? We saw a Ryanair there in that storm recently where it was coming into Dublin uh, and suddenly just took off again. So a rejected, yeah. Yeah, have you ever been on one of those? I have, I've been on two. Uh, They're quite uh, an unusual feeling, but it, uh, you always have to remember it's safety first and they only do it because it's safer to do that than it is to land. Mm. Um, a plane isn't a magical thing. Like people think that a plane can just, you know, stay level or whatever. A plane can do many different tricks and stunts in the sky. If you see from the Bray Air show, they can, even our planes, the A321, they can go sideways, they can go upside down. Like it's just the fact that we have passengers on them and, you know, the guys tend to behave, the girls Thanks, guys Seymour. Behave. Yes, yeah, I, they, I, I they know. They behave up there. But, but I mean, you have to, it's, it's a, pretty like fancy piece of equipment yeah. that can do many things and it keeps us safe um, we would never put ourselves in any danger so why would the passengers be in any danger you know you have to remember that you are so reassuring listen to these words because I know we have a lot of people listening of course, who are nervous yeah. flyers and some people have never yeah. flown in and their lives and I do lives. know there's nervous uh it, there's a programme for nervous flyers. I remember Virgin used to do one and Aer Lingus used to do one. They take you on a flight down to say Carrier Cork and they explain the whole way. And I've got a lot of people coming on board saying that they've done them and now that 
you know, they're sitting down. If not, glass of wine sorts everything. <laughs> they don't remember that. <laughs> That's coming from an accomplished, well-established cabin crew member. Isn't she great? Emer Cassidy is with us on Late Lunch this afternoon. If you have a question, here's your chance. If you're nervous about flying, if you've had an experience on a flight, we'd love to hear from you today. 086 658 by WhatsApp or text. Or you can call in now on 185715. 958. Emer Cassidy is with us on Late Lunch. She's a member of the Aer Lingus cabin crew teams who take us all over the world. A lovely message here has just come in from you, to you. It says, Hi Emer, I knew you when uh, you were at primary school and I met you again at Belliestown oh, races yes. after Lollipop all lady. those years. You are a beautiful lady inside and out that comes oh. in from Eileen Faulkner Eileen, to you this I afternoon did, you know, like that yes. was, Eileen has some memory can I just say mm. because she was our lollipop lady in <laughs> Balmakenny school and she used to look after us all running down the road and what a lady she's the warmest lady I sat and talked to her for so long at Value Sound she is so warm so well, lovely well she's and, listening to you today oh hello so Eileen thank you so much along with so many others so you lovely. love this job you you really do what routes are you flying at the moment fly you're all of Europe and the states so it could be Chicago LA San Fran Seattle Miami Orlando New York Boston uh, Connecticut well I don't fly the Connecticut route but yeah it's it's east how many west. days are you on and off how does it compare to a to a, a Monday to Friday job you learn very quickly that you don't have a normal job. So it's not like you can really arrange, oh, I'll go out on Friday night or Saturday night with girls um, because you could be in New York going out with the crew, mm. on a, on a, you know. So what happens? You, you Let's take an example yeah. of New York, for example. Yeah. You arrive on your flight time, as you say, several hours ahead to get ready yes. and that. Yeah. You take your, what, five to seven hour flight to New York. Is yes. that, how long is it over? Six, seven hours? Uh, yeah, it's about, yeah, about six and a half, seven and a half yeah. over. And it, then, so I normally do like to do Boston so about uh, six and a half over mm. five ten back lately because the, the weather has been and when you touch down in New yeah. York or Boston yeah. do you stay so we get collected at the airport yeah we get brought to our hotel we stay in our hotel overnight and the next day um, so for me in Boston I arrive there maybe half four in the day but the next evening I'm not picked up until half seven in the evening their time and then I come back into Dublin. I land about half eight in the morning the following day. So it takes mm. up three days. And, and then do you get days off or are yeah, you? Yeah, so you, it all turns up. So you could have two or three days off and then you might have Europe or you might have another Atlantic. Yes. Yeah. It's, so, it's quite a flexible job. Though. Mm, and you're seeing, look at all these parts of the world you're yeah. seeing. Have you ever had a really difficult passenger to deal with? Yes. You get them on every, well, no, I won't say every flight. The majority of our, our guests on board are absolutely just amazing to us. And they, you know, they generally sit down, they don't cause any bother and they just want good service and, and what they paid for. And rightly so. Um, you do get the uh, odd person and it just wants to cause trouble. Now, what you have to understand is there's a difference. A lot of people see us as very patient people, but that's only because we are, we're able to uh, tell the difference between people. So there's people that will come on and they're just, you know, giving you abuse and they're just not happy and everything's wrong in the world and you're the worst person in the world. That's probably because they just had some difficulties on the ground with maybe ground staff or about security staff or, you know, just trying to get true they might have been running late whatever and they're just agitated and you're the first person they've actually got to spoke to so they want to take everything out of you and that's fine okay we'll let the uniform absorb that there's other people then that are afraid of flying and they become very angry and almost not aggressive but they're, they're very like 
oh, they're just, they're, it's a different kind of thing. And it's actually fear and they're scared, but they're afraid to say that. So, they, so you're reading these situations. Oh, actually, you just know them. You get so used to them. And then you have the other person that just is just not a nice person. Did you ever have to divert with somebody on any flight you were on to, to go back to ground at an airport that you weren't flying to to take somebody off? Only through illness. Okay, not true aggression. That must be frightening no. as well when somebody takes ill. Um, do you know, we're, it's funny because we're just trained. I can't even explain the emotions. We're just trained. You just do it. Um, and you just do it. And obviously you... you a lot of times you have a doctor on board or a nurse or something that you mm. you can call out for. The crew are incredibly well trained. That's what I can say. Um, I've yet to hear a story where the crew have just like broken down and not done anything. Mm. Like, I mean, you just, your training kicks in and we've had, you know, quite a lot of, you know, quite the emergency on board, yes. you know, where someone's, you know, a like... serious situation. Yeah, 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 I can't obviously go into too much... No, no, that's okay. I understand that. But, but yeah, we'd have to divert. You know, yeah. when you mentioned where you came in to land and you yeah. took off and you didn't land, what yeah. about emergency landings where all the brigades are out and everyone's on high I've alert? I've had that, yeah. Have you? Yeah. How do you, how do you, you know, I, I'm okay. I'm passengers. okay because I know... Well, you know what? The passengers really don't sometimes know what's going on. You don't tell us. It's not that we don't tell you. If it's safe... We're, we're don't tell us, Emer. Don't safe. ever tell me, no, no. please. <laughs> I'll just bring the drink trolley to you, and I'll be like, "It's okay, Jerry. Just sit there, stay calm, <laughs> head down." Um, no, you know what? It. Uh, I can't even kind of describe. It, but when you when you're landing and mm. you see fire department or police or yes. ambulance. We're landing because it's safe to do so. They are mm. there for our safety. They're not there because there might be some big emergency. I'll give you an example. We were landing and there was a problem with our hydraulics. So when we landed, they were a bit worried that the wheel just might kind of stop. Now, the worst you'll get is probably a, a, a jolt forward or a jerk, okay? Um, but the all the ambulance and the fire brigades and everything are coming up alongside of us. That is just a precaution. That is just safety. And then we needed to be towed in. But to be fair, no passengers asked us what was going on. Mm. I just think they just look at the view and they, I, I don't really know because they know <laughs> n- none of them asked us that night while we're sitting there with us, you know, stay yes. calm, stay calm, stay calm. Yeah. But we always know anything that's done in aviation is done for your safety. Mm. Yeah. The skies are busy. You you said yes. to me, oh, it's very safe so, up there. But so I've the often motorway. been sitting looking and you can see planes, you know, yes. below and above yeah. you as well. So it's, it's called busy, radar. isn't it? <laughs> ah, correct. I look at them. We saw what happened yeah. in Ireland. Was it a few days ago yeah. where it was shut down in a lot of the country? Yes. Not Dublin, but yeah. the rest. But they took no chances. And by the way, yeah. I've been in the tower in Dublin Airport. There's a huge one going up now. It dwarfs the old one. one. Yeah. But it wasn't but the old one. Just, it's getting bigger and bigger yeah. and busier and busier. And but it's reassuring. An air traffic controller took me up there one day and oh, we were yeah, there for a few hours amazing oh, they're so skilled and like they, yes. they, they're quite tough a friend of mine actually yes. got a job um, with training and they she has to train for 18 months yes free 18 months of intense and it's a 90% fail rate mm. like that's difficult it's a known so risk job the people that are there are, are, are highly yeah. highly skilled and there people. is the system and the fallback and the fallback and, and I know that now yeah, I want to ask you a question up. I was yeah. with your crew Aer Lingus recently yeah. uh, out to Sicily and yeah. back um, and when we boarded to come home mm. uh, in early locked up everything pilot said we're oh. on our way <laughs> oh god and the next thing bing bong yeah you love that and sound. he sounded a bit cheesed off he said yeah. folks I'm sorry to tell you but uh, we're going to be on uh, <laughs> the uh, ground here for two and a half more hours because the French crowd have decided to, to down tools yeah they like I to strike I hate French air traffic controllers but you know what 
it's funny because we don't. It's not we we want to go home too. Okay, the mm. crew get a lot of stick for this, as if we've delayed the flight or something like that. We want to go home too. A lot of people have kids and to go home and so forth. But you know what, Jerry? They're striking for a reason. And I think if Irish people actually took a leaf, not in this job, obviously, have no reason to strike, but I mean in general, like water charges and whatever have you in Ireland, if we followed suit with them, we'd probably get a lot more than saying, oh, it's grand. At least they do something about it. They get up, they throw their tools down, they're like, no, until we get this, we're not doing this. And they're like brats, but they get what they want. And you know what? It does disrupt a lot. And and I, I don't agree with the disruption and so forth, but I will never stand against someone that's striking for Oh, the, the solidarity yeah, in the air is... Absolutely. Absolutely. Something else. Hello, Ema from Ema from Brenda from the Boyne Fisherman's oh, Rescue. Wow. You were such a great member when you were with us. Brenda is they love you. a true lady. Brenda actually was one of my friends there because there wasn't many uh, females there, as you can imagine. And Brenda is uh, a person that looks after the boathouse and the crew there. And she's one of the backbones now of Boyne Fisherman's mm. Rescue. But she's saying hello to you today. Hello, Brenda. Eric wants to know, you, Brenda, uh, interesting from Eric, he said, would you feel safer if you had a compact parachute. Do you know what I know what no. he's talking about? No, because I am not jumping out of any bloody plane. Okay. No. No I Eric, sorry. Absolutely no. It's and there is no hidden parachutes. My niece actually was afraid of flying until she said to me one day, Amy's gonna kill me for saying this, but she actually thought that if the plane goes down, you have to put on the parachute and jump out the door and that's what she was afraid of. It wasn't the fact that the plane going down. Yeah. She was afraid that she had to jump out. People, there is no parachutes on board. There is no hidden device on board. We're not Father Ted. We do not have them there <laughs> and we are not taking the drink trolley with us. Well, maybe that, but like, no, there is definitely no parachutes and I would not, I would, uh, no, there's just no way I'm not jumping out of a plane. You no. know, you said it earlier on and since I met you first, uh, you know, with this wonderful new career you have as well <laughs> as the best dressed all over the country, you just love your job. I you do. You I do. You're in love with it, aren't yeah. you? You know, it takes a while to find where you're best suited and comfortable and I love meeting people. I love the people I work with. Um, like I said, we all have bad days and good days and, you know, worked and overworked and under it and so forth. But I couldn't imagine myself doing anything else. I couldn't imagine going back to a desk or going back into an A&E or I, I do. I finally found somewhere where I'm happy and yeah, I'd recommend anyone do it. Like I would recommend people doing it earlier as well. Um, my little cousin, um, she, Julia and Ava, they're both sisters, but she wants to be cabin crew and she's actually gone into Diffie now to do the tours, the year PLC tourism. And then hopefully when she's of 18, she can apply for a link. So I'd brilliant. To have her with brilliant. Her. brilliant. Yeah. Well, listen, uh, I know you don't do, uh, you know, Monday to Friday work or you don't yeah, sit in an office, but will you come back to this office again I and we'll chat more? Jerry, I am, you bank now, I'm coming back for you. <laughs> <laughs> Ema Cassidy, it's been a pleasure Thank again you so to meet much, you. Jerry, Safe flying. Thank Take you. Take care. Bye bye. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, your local Renault selection dealer. With over 250 quality used cars in stock, there's always something for everyone at Blackstone Motors. Check out our used stock online at blackstonemotors.ie. Let me tell you, there's a real treat in store for music fans when one of the world's most famous gospel choirs, the Harlem Gospel Choir, bring their show to the Carnbeg Hotel. You know, the, Car- the Harlem Gospel Choir have performed with U2, the Chieftains, Diana Ross, Josh Groban and so many more. And they're at the Carnbeg Hotel in Dundalk next Wednesday, the 24th of October. Tickets are available from the hotel and they've kindly given us on Late Lunch a pair of tickets to give away today. So here's the question. It's mighty difficult for a pair of tickets for the Harlem Gospel Choir. 
in which US city is Harlem? Oh, they, I'm too kind. I'm too soft. Aren't they? It should be more difficult. Anyway, there you have it. Where's Harlem? Which US city? 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text with your answer and your name and details. And we'll pick somebody before the end of the show. It's book club time on late lunch. And there's only one woman for us. It's Margaret Madden. Hello. Hi, I'm back. You are back. And I just want to say before we begin today, we are thrilled to have you back because you've been through the mill and back since the last time you were here. Yeah, it's been a difficult month. There was it a has. lot of time spent in hospital, but you I'm back. spent a lot of time. And I know what, she's a trooper. <laughs> I said to her, do you really take a month off? Sure, we'll be okay. Never. She says, no way. Not me. I'm in with you. Let's get this show on the road. Anyway. Good to see you. And it's great great to have you. And you're looking great, let me say. Now, book of the month. Let's begin with the big one to start with. And what have you picked for us? I have picked um, Our House by Louise Candlish. Tell us about this book. Why? Right. Well, I have this a while. I was sent an advance proof and uh, I just, I saw a lot of things online and basically there was a hashtag saying that last line. And, you know, everybody was talking about, oh, God, wait till you get to this last line. I was like, oh, here, I'm in. I'm just going in. Uh, I I went in and, oh, my God, it hooked me straight away. So basically, this is a story of um, a woman uh, called Fee. She arrives home to her house in London, a beautiful, um, very well-to-do neighbourhood. And she's walking down the street and she's sees a removal van in what she thinks is one of her neighbour's houses and she's like oh somebody must be moving out. I didn't even know there was a house for sale this kind of thing and next of all she's walking up it's her house and there are people moving in but she hasn't sold her house <laughs> she literally only went away for the night and came back and there's other people moving into her house whoever came up with this yeah. well it is of course it's the author yeah. Louise herself it's a brilliant premise isn't it yeah it's like what the hell you you just you walk into your on, on your on your road it's a normal day um and you go to the door and you're like hang on a minute this is my house you, there's a bit of a mistake in your because no i i bought this the the money went through last night i have the keys here's the documents um and uh her husband's missing so she's like what <laughs> What the hell is going on? Because you have to tell them that herself and her husband are apart. Yes. But they have an arrangement. They have this really strange thing, which I found very fascinating, and it's called bird's nesting. And it's where you separate amicably, well, as amicable as you mm. can separate from your husband. Um, but rather than disturbing your children and, and getting, you know, two different kind of apartments and, and splitting up the home, you share the home. So he would stay in it, say, at the weekends, and she would go to this tiny little um, apartment they have around the corner and then vice versa during the week so they kind of they don't actually have to spend any time together and I found it very strange I could not do that I'm looking at my, my I actually have my husband with me he's today here. and I'm looking he's at here looking going, after this her, yeah. is so not going to ever happen for us <laughs> um, I'm getting the house that's it no. <laughs> and that <laughs> library and all those books yeah, 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 yeah. No, over he, her dead body no but this is a strange it's very very strange but they are you know it is an amicable mm. um, um, but he's gone missing like he's literally gone missing um, there's no trace of him um, so it's told in kind of two parts. It's told Fee is is telling it to a podcast called The Victim. So you're reading it in podcast form. And then a, a kind of it alternates with Bram, who's the husband, and a Word document that he's writing explaining what ha- his side of the story. Yes. But you don't know who the Word document is written to. 
you know, until yes. the end. Yeah. But it's just, oh my God, it's like it's an absolute roller coaster. Imagine ride. that yeah. happening when you just picture it. You know, you arrive at your house. Holy God almighty. Yeah, everything's gone. Like What's she's just, here? she can't, she just can't get to grips with it at all. I couldn't get to grips with it. I was mm. like, but they've, they've two small kids. So, um, you know, it, it, she's, she's concerned about what's going to happen with them now. And it's just, it's just phenomenally page turningly addictive. Um, uh, these are not very nice characters either. You know, they're entitled, yeah. wealthy, up their own arses here, I've said the word. Um, you know, um, all about their, their their vegan lunches and their yoga and their, you know, you do sometimes want to go, oh my God, get over yourself. But that's part of the, the thrill of this book, yes. I think, is that these aren't um, necessarily like mm. people, but you'd, you'd, you wouldn't like somebody to sell your house for one, do you? Absolutely not. Yeah. Have you come across Louise Candlish before? I have, yeah. No, I've read her books before and I've always enjoyed her. Um, she's, she's, it's like a it's psychological thriller, really. You know, it's kind of family based. Um, I would definitely recommend it for, for everybody. There's something in this for everybody. Yeah. It's a cracker. Yeah. Our House is Margaret Madden's Book of the Month for October and Late Lunch Book Club by Louise Candice. And thanks to Waterstones for giving me a finished copy of it. I only had a proof, so I'll yes. have the pictures of the yeah. You won't go wrong, folks, with this book, I promise with you. Now, let's move on. In, in general fiction, as we describe the next category, I'm not a bit surprised you picked this book because uh, you loved its first incarnation of the first book from these two women. You've picked The Importance of Being Ashling by Emer McLeisett and Sarah Breen. And was the previous one, oh, oh my God, what a complete Ashling, yeah. was that one of your books at the moment? It was, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. I love this character, Ashling. I think everybody in the country knows her now, don't they? She's the yeah. country girl who's living up in Dublin and, um, you know, she has her little Ashlingisms, you know, and she thinks everybody has notions now with their smashed avocados and their um, bags for life. And, you know, she she's just... <laughs> Just wonderful. I love her. So I was delighted this one came out so quickly on the back of the other one. Um, th- th- these girls have just taken over the country, haven't they, with this yes. character? It's amazing. Love it. So Ashling is back. Um, she is, unfortunately, she's let go from her job at the beginning the, with redundancies. So she has to move home home. Uh, you know, so that's a bit of a, it's a, a change for her. It's a big change after all yeah. these. And the other thing is, her dad passed away, was it in the first Yeah, book? yeah. And he's not there anymore. So it's very moving, you know, that it, that's a bit of a pun really, isn't it? It's very moving mm. that she's going back home home to help out her mommy and uh, back at the farm. And But she she's taking new steps on a new life and, and, and we're going along with her, along with her friends and uh, the crack is 90. Bally Gobard. Yes. Love the name of the place, isn't and it? And the hurling boyfriend now yeah. and herself are struggling a bit. And yeah, it's, it's a, oh, it's just so much fun. It yeah, really so this is. has continued. They've hit heights again. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, sometimes the second one is not up to the first one mm. at all. But this is... It is. It's, I mean, we're all just discovering Ashling, aren't mm. we, as we go along? Like, their Facebook page is still hugely popular. Their their voices are... are so real. They're, they really are just girls living in Ireland and, and there's little isms that you just can't get anywhere else in the world. So you'll chuckle, you'll laugh, you'll yeah. cry. It has the range of emotions. It does, has it? but it, I mean, it, it's it's what it is. It's just Ashling. I can't even describe it more than that. She's just this wonderful character that everybody knows in Ashling, who's the one that'll mind the handbags when you're well on out with the girls and, <laughs> you know, who'll have an emergency um, hair clip in her bag. Yes. You know, she's, she's just really dependable and um, just such a 
such a good girl. Okay, you know? there's another one for you, folks. Yeah. It is the follow-up to Oh My God, What a Complete Ashling. This one is called The Importance of Being Ashling by Emer McLeisen and Sarah Breen. And again, it gets the thumbs up from our Margaret. Now, just before we head to the break, let's uh, take another one here. And this is in the realm of female fiction. And let me tell you, I'm so excited. It's Carmel Harrington's book, A Thousand Roads Home. And let me tell you, Carmel Harrington's live on Late Lunch this Thursday. She's here. She's in the studio. I'm going to call up to that one. Will you? Yeah, Yeah, come up and say hello to her too, indeed. She's brilliant. Anytime I've talked to her, I love this woman. Yeah, she's great. I met Carmel years ago when her first debut came out. She came out to stay in Bleach House and we did a little bit of a book club author evening and we've, you know, we've remained firm friends since. Um, That's not why I'm picking her book, just being Mm. honest there. Um, But uh, she's just got, she's just the queen of emotional fiction. We've got to throw it in there. It's out this week, so yeah. Uh, The book is is, you know, on the nail as well because it tackles big themes that are very relevant in Ireland today. Homelessness, food poverty, you know, how easily one's life can derail. Yeah, I think the best way for me to describe this is how we're all really, well, I say all very loosely, uh, one pay slip away from homelessness. Mm, I've heard that before. Yeah. You know, there are a lot of people who are living wage packet to wage packet. And if something, God forbid, happens in there and you're under the laws of the landlord and they decide, right, no, you're not getting a second chance or I'm putting up rent or, you know, it gets out of your control very, very quickly. And um, Carmel has used this example um, with her character, Ruth, and her, um, her son, DJ, where that one pay slip has mm. has caused them to become homeless, and they are now in um, hotel accommodation. Yes, while waiting on a list for a home. Yeah, she really captures the uh, the mood of you know an aspect of Irish life that it's talked about, it's debated, it's politicised, and yet every day we have more cases. We do, and uh, but she also addresses that there are some people who choose to live on the streets, yeah. and I admire her for that. Yes. It, you know, there are some people for whatever reason, be it addiction, be it um, mental health issues, um, be it life choices, there are some people who choose that life mm. uh, and have been offered services and um, don't take it the way that it was intended, perhaps. Okay. So there is a touch, and, and Tom is a character in here um, that she touches on too. It is a very emotional story. Mm. Um, there is a link um, between the characters. It's 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 a gentle read. It's um, Ruth has Asperger's, so there's elements of, of her dealing just with regular daily life, never mind the homelessness. Mm. There's trying to get your, your children to school when you're in a hotel that's on the other side of the city that where you originally had your children registered. You know, there's there's lots of yes. different... But it, I mean, as I said, it's a gentle read. It's 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 upsetting, but it's, it, it is part of life. Okay, another recommendation on Book Club this month, Carmel Harrington's A Thousand Roads Home and remind me again the author will be here with us on Thursday I have a gift pack of books to give away and my god have I some reading here for you you'll have to stay with us on Late Lunch we'll give you the question after the break it's book club time on Late Lunch Margaret Madden is here and as is her want every time she comes we gather together a lovely little gift pack of books for one lucky listener out there oh, look, look at today Margaret Martina Fitzgerald Madden Politician I spoke to her yesterday Launch today I'm giving that one away Ooh. The Little Flower by Colm Keane and Uno Hagen Follow the Old Road Beautiful isn't it? Isn't that, oh, that is stunning My God stunning Can I and, have it? Uh, <laughs> sorry <laughs> Sorry Margaret I, I'd give you anything under the sun but today, today it's committed to a listener and the adoption machine The Dark History
history of Ireland's mother and baby mm-hmm. homes. And we have two more there as well. So would you like this gift pack? The only condition is you must pick it up here at LMFM. Couldn't afford the postage. It's so big, this no. pack, to be honest with you. Anyway, you pick it up here at the station. Here's the question. I mentioned one of the books there. The Little Flower. Who is the Little Flower? What saint are we talking about? Who's the Little Flower? Colm Keane and Uno Hagen were with me on Late Lunch a couple of weeks ago talking about it. Who is the saint we're talking about there? The Little Flower. That's the answer we need for the books Text now, WhatsApp now, 086-1800-658 and we'll pick somebody very shortly. Let's move on with Margaret Madden. Now it's a time for non-fiction and my God, this story is some story. The book you've picked is... The book I have picked is My Brother Jason, which is the untold story of Jason Corbett's life and the brutal murder by Tom and Molly Martins. Yes, and it is by Tracy Corbett Lynch and Ralph Regal as well. Mm-hmm. This story, August 2014, Limerick man Jason Corbett murdered by his wife. Yes, and father-in-law. Mm. Do, you, do you like that little disgusting tone I have yes. in my voice there. Yes. Yeah, um, I, you know, we all followed this on the news. Um, I kind of dipped in and out in horror, actually, in the newspaper articles when it was on. You know, I don't know. Do I think I'm protecting myself by not reading some of these stories? Anyway, the book arrived and I thought I'm just going to give this a lash. And basically, Tracy, what she has done is she's, she's with integrity and and for closure for herself and for people involved, she has written this book. It's not for any financial gain. Any money that is made for it will be put by for for Jason's two children. So um, it's go it's ghost written by Ralph Regal, um, who's you know is mm. reports for the Independent. Uh, so it's it's got both of their voices in it. Really, you can see that. Um, so you're you're getting straight away her her feelings and and horror and upset and what it was like getting those phone calls and everything. And then you also have um, Ralph is obviously done the, the journalistic work on the story. So the two combined together. Yeah, because with the news, really you see one side. Absolutely, You know, yeah. those who are up on trial for murder. You mentioned his wife and the father-in-law as well and all that goes along with that. But you very rarely hear from the victims. No, well... It's it's hard when they're dead. Yes, no, but the victim. <laughs> you know what I mean. Not I the know, victim. I know. You know the victim's family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I know. I know. I think basically, but, we'll but just you do don't, a quick, Margaret, you know? quick recap on the story yes. for people yeah. though who may have forgotten. Is that Jason? Um, he was a widow with two very young children. I think four and uh, um, yes. a couple of weeks old. Um, when, when his wife died of an asthma attack, a That's love right. of his life. Yeah. Um, after a couple of years, he needed help raising the children. Got au pairs. Um, so this one arrives from um the states. This blonde with a lot of baggage um, and within a, within a couple of years they're married back living in the States she has just completely overtaken his world and uh, it ends up with him being murdered She actually sadistically set out to do this She did I think she just wanted those two children he refused to sign over adoption papers he, he, he knew there was something not right there's records of his emails to her over the years Even on a budget Quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
there's correspondence going back. But she systematically, you know, bullied and berated him for years and years and years until he just cracked and he was packing a suitcase to come back to Ireland um, to come back to be with his family in Limerick and um, flights were not quite booked but his history shows they were almost there and that night he was murdered bludgeoned to death with a baseball bat and a patio slab Mm. and uh, the father-in-law her father involved here as well and it's a a horrific story Mm. but this does open up the other side and uh, hard to read um no, actually, you know, not too much. The sad parts are the pictures in the middle, aren't they? You know, when you buy these these true crime books and you're flicking through, you see there, there's always the communion pictures and, and then you see them with the, the family and around the house. And then next of all, you see a murder weapon and you see pictures of children who are, you know, that to me, I find the visuals very upsetting. Mm. But no, absolutely fascinating how one woman can be a complete psychopath, like a completely psychopath and lie to people for so many years about simple things like she was the birth mother of those children. She Mm. wasn't. That she had a sister who had died of leukaemia when she was a baby. She never had a sister. She was just completely nuts. Mm. And poor Jason was hawk, line and sinker. He didn't stand a chance. lost his life. But this is, just as for Jason was done. Yes. So, you know, you can see how the Irish government really did support the Corbett family as well, which is amazing. So that's wonderful. It's not, um, I mean, it, it... it's a, it's an easy read. It's upsetting, okay. but well upsetting, worth checking. But uh, yeah. well worth checking out. Yeah. My brother Jason: the untold story of Jason Corbett's life and brutal murder by Tom and Molly Martins by Tracy Corbett Lynch uh, and Ralph Regal. Of course, he ghostwrites uh, with uh, Tracy mm-hmm. there. So that's uh, the non-fiction. And finally today with Margaret, as is her want every <laughs> month, she picks a classic. Well, I'll tell you one thing: you've divided the jury on this one, young woman. Today, <laughs> the book she selected is the. Slap by well, Christos Slokas. Very good. That was good. Perfect. Good You're good. Good. I left that up to you. Anyway, <laughs> this really has divided readers. Yeah. Now this is out since uh, what 2008, something like that. It's mm. gone back a while, and it has been made into both um, an Australian TV show and re- more recently a US one as well. So uh, I watched the US one recently in hospital. That was one of my things to do at to night. keep you going. And to ignore all the, the Going on around you, I understand. Yeah. Um, I, I, I remembered how much I loved this. I loved it because it was so horrible, if you know what I mean. So, so tell us what happened. Somebody okay. at a, there was a, a, a get-together on? Yeah, there's a 40th birthday party. It's a barbecue in in, this, in Australia. And um, it's a, a large Greek immigrant family. And so they all get together. None of them really want to be there. It's one of those, oh, here we go, has to be done. But there's this child. And, and he's a little brat. Oh, my God. He's just one of these kids that the parents have no control over him at all. And he's really, he's smashing iPads and he's uh, clanging around and he picks up, they're playing a game of cricket and he picks up a, a cricket bat and starts swinging it at the other children when he doesn't, things aren't going his way. And one of the fathers at the party comes running down, throws the cricket bat on the ground and smacks the child. Now, let me just say, I have to say, I would have been really tempted to but smack it's not the, the child child's, myself. It's not the child's father. Yeah. No, it's somebody it's else's another father. another dad yeah. who just has enough of this child. Bang. Yeah. Now, yeah, you know, I, I joke and say I would have smacked the child. Obviously, I wouldn't actually smack somebody else's child. But yeah. you can see you can see all the way through, you'd be tempted. You'd be like, oh, my God, that child needs a smack. You know, it's a generous thing. But this slap just changes everything. Um, so that, then you have eight different characters 
talking about what happened that day and what has happened afterwards. Now, none of these are likeable characters. I'm saying that from the very beginning. And this is why the book has divided so many people. They're horrible characters. They're sexist. They're violent. Then there's the Earth Mother who has, who is this child's mother. She's, I think he's like five. She's still breastfeeding him. She's like airy, fairy, floaty you know, going around in her bare feet. Don't, don't um, give out to my child. He's just finding himself in the world. You know, and I'm like, oh, come on. There's too many of them yeah. finding themselves. They should know by now. Can I tell you just one? I I did smile at the, the, the contrast in the reviews. Mm. And actually, a lot of the positive reviews were saying that this book is thought-provoking oh, in, yeah. in, in what one slap can cause. Yeah. But there's a fellow reviewed and says, I actually hate this book. I've put it down that many times, but to my credit, I finished it. Yeah. I'm surprised that this book has become such a well-reviewed bestseller. That's yes. just a comment from on the negative side, you know? Yeah, but I mean, and it's amazingly written and nobody, just because a character isn't nice doesn't mean it's not a good book. Mm. And, you know, the there's a court case. This gets gets this far that there's a court case and you're like, this is what's happening everywhere now. But you, you look at somebody now and you're being sued. So, but it's really, really clever seeing the eight different characters of all different ages. There's yeah. the 70 year olds and um, the grandparents. There's the 40 year olds who are the, the really horrible ones. Let's be real. The 40 year olds and this are the, are the pits. Yeah. And then there's teenagers as well. But there's also affairs. There's crossovers. There's... Mm. The Slap. Are you listening, folks? The classic from (laughs) Margaret, The Slap by Christos Siliokas. And if you get that book, I can tell you, don't come back to us and say, (laughs) I didn't enjoy it or I loved it. You heard it first here today. It divides the jury, divides the And you can see the actual, the the box set is on E4 as well, if you feel that way inclined. Margaret, you're a star as usual. And just reminding everybody, if you want to win the collection of books, here's six books to give away today in our gift pack. The question is... The Little Flower. What saint are we talking about? Name and details in your answer to 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Until next time, Margaret Madden, thank you so much. See you soon. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, your local Renault selection dealer. With over 250 quality used cars in stock, there's always something for everyone at Blackstone Motors. Check out our used stock online at blackstonemotors.ie. Human trafficking, it's shocking and we've talked about it before on this show and wherever you sit today in the North East or beyond, I think it's fairly certain that within easy reach of where you are, there may be somebody who's been trafficked illegally into this country and being exploited. We're going to talk about it for the next while because there's a big focus on this coming in Ireland next weekend. You've met her before on Late Lunch and it's been too long since she's been here and we're delighted to see her again today. She joined us on a number of occasions and talked about her faith through the Solid Rock Church of God and she's back with me today. Dana Holloman, it's really good to see you. Oh, thank you so much for having me back. Not at all. You are very welcome. Thank you. Why or what has brought this to your attention or why are you involved in this now? I tell you, it was about six years ago um, when it brought more attention to me and, and influenced my life more in the in the area of human trafficking. Um, just a couple houses down from where I was living, um, I began to know this young girl, um, got to know her well. She became a friend. When I traveled, she would stay at my house, watch my dog. And as our friendship grew, her walls began to come down. And what I found out was astonishing to me and to find out she was actually being um, trafficked and where she was living 
living just a few houses down from me. Um, and that was a shockwave for me. I've always been a justice advocate, but that took it to a different level. And I, I just said, we have to do something different. If it was right under our nose, how much more is there? I'm intrigued by that because from what you say, you wouldn't really suspect, would you, outwardly from what you were seeing that this girl was being sent here against her will and trafficked? No, I would have never, until I got to know her more and there were certain times that she would, it was unique. Her response was different or maybe she was supposed to show up and she didn't show up. Um, different things like that kind of gave me a red flag. But then I thought, oh, well, she's young. But then it was when she began to, to trust me more and begin to just give little hints. She was scared to just kind of say it outright. But once um, she finally did reveal um, what was happening, it, it was a real shock. And when she revealed to you and opened up eventually, could you do anything for her? Or was she, you know, afraid really to highlight this or go anywhere with it? Well, obviously, my first response was to get the pastors involved yes. and the authorities. Okay. Um, and and that, you did that, did and you? And did it straight away. And, and, you know, obviously with her consent and with her willingness. And so getting the authorities involved, I can say now she is doing great. She's she? living in Dublin. She's got all her papers that she needs and she's free and doing fantastic. She's um, finishing up her, her last, I think, maybe year um, in uni and just doing a fantastic Work. That is great to hear and uh, it's all well that ends well in that case. But the sad facts are, Dana, that very few of these cases are actually uncovered, isn't it? Oh, it's very true. Um, the statistic says that maybe 1% of of people will actually be reunited with their family or are actually saved out of out So of when you think of that, for every 100 people trafficked in, only one may ever be free and sort themselves out that they're away from the people who are controlling them and have them in these circumstances. It's frightening, isn't it? it what really are we is. talking about in, when it comes to trafficking? Is it sexual? Is it labour? Is it other things besides? There's multiple forms of trafficking. Um, obviously, sexual exploitation is the largest and most prevalent. Um, when we think of trafficking, we automatically think of girls being sexually abused. Or, um, But labor exploitation is on the rise. Um, and anything that is forcing someone to do something beyond their will. Um, and the, it, people can get very creative in that. Um, but there's a huge rise um, between the labor exploitation and obviously sexual exploitation is mm. very high up there. And from all parts of the world, you know, we hear about Eastern Europe, we hear about the African uh, situation, people coming from Africa to Europe and that as well. Other parts of the world, yes. This is the... It, it, Human trafficking is the largest industry, the fastest growing industry worldwide. It's not. Uh, it's not just one country. It's so it's not, not just continents one area. or countries. There's no borders. You're talking to this. worldwide. Um, trafficking rings are going. Um, mm. They're going through the borders and and sending people around. And there's there's just gangs um, throughout the world from one end to the other. It's obviously difficult as well for state authorities to get to grips with this because they they have so many pulls on them and asks of them. You know, when you think about the ports, drugs coming in, you have crime and violence as well. And then you have this in, in that sphere as well. And what uh, makes it hard as well is that it's not just um, the busyness, but it's also hard to prove. 
Yes. It's it, when when you have a, a woman that has been sexually exploited and she's been brainwashed or she's been broken and and so her her owner tells her you cannot tell. Well, she's going to deny that she's being forced to do anything. And so it's very hard um when they're under such threat. I mean, when their families are being threatened, when they're and all, their only hope is to be free, but they're under so much threat. Um it, it's hard to actually catch them mm. in the in Yeah, and we were process. talking recently about uh, the hospitality sector and this particular issue as well. You're talking about labour there. And we heard of a case of somebody, you know, working away, working hard, uh, but yet they were trafficked here. Uh, you know, and, and little signs. You mentioned those little signs with that girl as well. Right. Very important to look out for those. Yes. It's, it's, and that's part of the, the reason why we're doing the event that we are on the 20th is to bring awareness, um, for what you can look out for. Mm. Um, you, when you see things like with my friend that, you know, the, the few signs, she would just say a few, few words here or there that would indicate something wasn't right. You didn't quite know what, but you knew something wasn't mm. right. Talk to me about this organisation, A21, because there's a big event coming up in Ireland. It's a focus around the world, actually, this weekend on human trafficking. And we're part of it here in this country. But uh, interestingly, A21 are an organisation who've done enormous work around the globe here. Who are they? A21 is a community of of people that just rally together to to shine globally um on the spotlight of human trafficking to say hey we are not going to um stay silent um to this um horrific um, act that is going on. Um, that's why we created the Walk for Freedom. A21 is also, it's, it's strategy is to, um, combat human trafficking, to reach, rescue, and restore. Because it's so important that those that are survivors to kind of reintroduce them to society and, and teaching them. And so there are centers throughout the, the, the world where we have, you know, different freedom centers where we're, we're able to restore them. And, you and, can and imagine living years from maybe a young age and being under this and then suddenly when you do break free it's a whole new beginning a whole new learning isn't it again oh it would be I, it would be horrific I have mm. a 14 year old and I can only uh, I, you know it's dreadful for me I can't even go there to imagine if she was ever to get caught up into that because it's so easy for young girls and, and, and lads that just want to have a better life yes or, or, you know this is what they're promised money. hey this yeah. is, you know, they're promised the world and and then they get caught up into it or you know unfortunately those some not all um young children that are you know are abducted mm. because this is across the board we want to say it's men women and children of both sexes of yes, all ages of all yeah, it doesn't. It, it doesn't. You know, start at a young age necessarily. It can involve anybody, and you can imagine if you're in dire circumstances somewhere in the world, and this is pitched to you. Oh, this sounds great. Right. Way different. Oh, very different. And and especially if you're in an area of poverty yeah. and you're promised these riches and some such a better life. That's what happened to my friend. Is you know the people that ended up bringing her here promised her mom that she would have such a better life. She'd have better education, better this, better that. And they allowed her to bring bring her to Ireland, and she got caught up in it. Mm. Um, so it, it's it's unfortunate. It's important to shine a light on this. Absolutely. So, 
this weekend, what's happening? I know A21 have had uh, annual events in Belfast, yes, and Cork, but it's coming to the capital city, Dublin, this weekend, yes. Yes, last year alone, A21 um, had 400 walks in 50 different countries. Around the world. Around the world. Brilliant. And and that has increased even so this year. For the first time in Ireland, um, we're having our the Walk for Freedom in Dublin. However, it has been going on for the last five years in Belfast, the last four years in Cork, and the last, and this is the first year for Galway as well. Okay. So in our four major regions, yes. we've got a walk going so on. So we're going to have freedom. something going on in each of the provinces in Ireland this week. And yes. you're here today to raise awareness about human trafficking yes. and, and in a way to ask people to be vigilant, to be aware, but also Come on, walk with us. Yes, you're looking for people to join in the walk. Absolutely. I mean, there's there's no cost to you. It's just it's just saying, look, there those that are are captured, they may be in silence, but we are going to walk for you. We're letting you know you haven't been forgotten. We're going to do everything in our power to get this to stop, to to get you freed. You know, we want to do what we can to help those that are already enslaved and we want to do everything we can to avoid anybody else getting caught up in it. Um, Where's the walk in Dublin starting from on what time on Saturday? It is this Saturday, the 20th of October, um, starting at the Garden of Remembrance um, at 12 o'clock, 12 p.m. noon. And um, it it would be great. And if you don't register online, it's okay. We'll have a table set up. You can register. Just right arrive there. on the day. Just arrive on the day wearing all black. Um, because our the 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 power of it is that we're going to be in a single file. It's a silent walk. It's not a you know a, a you know loud march or anything like that. It's a silent walk in single file, all wearing black. And it's just to signify this is what we're standing for. Mm. So you're really drawing attention to this. The Irish government, they're onto this. I, I know they talk about it and it, it is an issue among, as I said, many other issues there as well. Do you think there's enough of focus on it? Could more be done in this country? No, I don't think there's enough focus on it. And okay. I think that we could do a whole lot more to bring awareness and and just a whole lot more could be done mm. um, in in all areas. Um, uh, it's It's a horrific industry. Um, and what to do to stop it, I don't know all the answers. But I do know that we can do so much more. And this is a starting point. It's a starting point to let people know, hey, we want to we want to bring more awareness, getting into the schools, getting into... You know, I had somebody ask me, is it okay to, to let teenagers do it? Is it okay to let young people do it? And at first, my initial is, well, no, we want to be careful. But then I kind of began to think, I watched my own daughter say, I want to get so passionate and hard about it that I began to change my um, thoughts of that and saying, no, we all need to join together. This is an opportunity where everybody can come together and we can stand for something that we all can agree that is not acceptable. And I'm just thinking at the minute in, in general terms, when you look at the country and at the shortage of labour in you know, work that, let's say, Irish people don't want to do anymore. I mentioned hospitality there. Now, hospitality is a fine sector, but there are jobs to be done in there. You know, you're really starting at the, at the bottom and people work their way up, let's say, from that. Right. There are jobs like in farming where people come in and do hard manual labour. And an awful lot of them are not from Ireland are not even from Europe, perhaps. You know, you need to be vigilant there if you're somebody employing people in those sectors. Yes, definitely. Uh, ask questions. Yes. 
I'm just thinking that here. Yeah, don't accept it on face value that you have somebody and you're getting somebody at a rate. You could be part of the exploitation and the ruination of those people's lives. It's just a thought that just I wanted to mention it when you were here with me today, just to to bring a bit more focus on that as well. There's obviously, you know, a, a big movement for this worldwide and Ireland is becoming more involved as well. You obviously believe and you have to believe that someday this can be got to grips with. It's a huge problem. Mm, it's an absolutely huge problem and every walk makes a difference. Um, it makes a difference locally and it makes a difference globally because when we make a difference in the local sector, it's going to impact the global Mm-hmm. Um, and so I I want to believe with all of my heart, might and soul that human trafficking will one day come to an end, that it will not be acceptable anywhere. That's a big, big task. Yes, it is. Um, it's a, and it's a big ask. So we have to focus on what we have today. And it's saying I mightn't be able to end human trafficking, but I can make a difference and I can start by just showing up for a walk mm. to say, I want to raise awareness. Absolutely. And then beyond that, when you see what happened to you, that somebody mm. came on your radar, that's just one person, you yeah. know. But like one, again, I come back to that, only 1% of people rescued from this. It's a horror show, really, to think, you know, that that, that is the case at the moment. Uh, your own church, I mentioned Solid Rock, who you are solid with, of course, I, I am, <laughs> forever. Yes. Are, are they involved in this? Are they supporting you? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Um, a lot of churches around are supporting, um, but I'm not leaving this just for a church activity. I believe that everybody, whether you're involved with a church or not, can get involved. I, that My heart and my vision would be to see all of us get very much involved mm. um, to make a difference in this area. I live near where you are and I have to say it's uh, pleasant every Sunday to see the numbers that are yeah. attending. You you really are vibrant, aren't you? It's we are, yes. going great for you, it really is. It, yes. At a time when others maybe in churches aren't, but you certainly have the magic touch and people love <laughs> when, when they uh, go to your services. Anyway, wish you well and reminding listeners again, if you have uh, time on Saturday, if you're at a free end, if you're listening to what we're saying today and thinking about people who are trafficked, who are really in prison, you might think it that they may work and they may be this, that and the other with us here in Ireland, but they're really prisoners here in this country. Saturday, the 20th, the Garden of Remembrance, 12 noon, dress in black and walk in silence for these people. Tell them you care. Let them know. Dana Holloman. Thank you very much for joining me on Late Lunch today. Wish you well. Thank you so much. And also, just to add in there, if they want more information, they can go to a21.org slash rotunda-ie. That's it there. You'll get all the information. Till the next time, Dana, thanks. Thank you so much. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, your local Renault selection dealer. With over 250 quality used cars in stock, there's always something for everyone at Blackstone Motors. Check out our used stock online at blackstonemotors.ie. Let's look after the housekeeping on Late Lunch. Our book club gift pack. Yes, six lovely books to give away here. The question was, what saint was known as the little flower? It was Saint Therese. And winning those books today is Sue Eakin from Bettystown. Well done to you, Sue. We'd be in touch to make the arrangements. The Gospel Choir. Yes, the Harlem Gospel Choir. They're coming to the Carnbeg Hotel in Dundalk. 
uh, Wednesday week that's tomorrow week October 24th tickets available from the hotel a pair to give away on late lunch today Rose Tormey and Drogheda well done to you you win those gospel tickets enjoy I know you will they're absolutely fantastic the answer was New York Harlem is in New York City now are you ready settle yourselves does this bring back memories to anybody out there Now, enough of that for a minute. (laughs) I could never get enough of it, Sinead, because when I hear it, I know it's a synthesised version of it. (laughs) There's been a lot more (laughs) versions of it. So many versions, haven't there, of the Blue Peter theme. I want to say today, happy birthday, Blue Peter. 60 years young and still going strong. And look at the smile on my face, Sinead. Yes, it brings back lots of very happy childhood memories, doesn't it? it. I loved it, loved it, loved it. I never missed it. You see, I suppose in this neck of the woods, we were in multi-channel land. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we could get BBCs and we could get UTV here. In a lot of other parts of Ireland, you had... You couldn't. Radio 1, RTE 1 and nothing else really in television terms. But we grew up, we were reared with Blue Peter. We never missed it. We just loved it so much. When we got home from school, Mam would have the dinner ready for us and we'd sit down and take our sus from school before the homework and we'd never miss it. And uh, I just remember my three presenters were uh, John Noakes, uh, Peter Purvis and Valerie Singleton. They were the ones I grew up with as the presenters. Oh, it was just such a lovely show. Your era, it would have been waning, would it? Which, yeah, which it yeah. probably would have been in the 80s. I mean, like you would have had uh, the likes of The Den, you yes. see, was really the number one. So RTE kind of came back, you may say. <laughs> uh, you had The Den and all that kind of thing. But I do remember it. And I do remember it was very much focused on uh, what kids wanted to see. So you'd had lots of things like to do with arts and crafts. You'd lots of things to do with nature, lots of things to do with animals. Yes. All that kind of thing. Oh, and lots brilliant. of funny things oh, happened on it as well. Oh, Sinead, yeah funny things and you know what it, it just brings back very warm memories to me personally and I'm sure a lot of people if you have Blue Peter memories check out uh, LMFM social media we're floating yeah. it about there at the moment or if you want to comment remember the numbers 86 658 by text or WhatsApp well, we have somebody we're going to talk to. Oh, by the way, sorry, yeah, I meant yeah, to tell you. Excuse me, excuse me, excuse very me. Important bit you have very to important us. bit I have to tell you. I nearly forgot. I have a Blue Peter badge. A coveted Blue Peter badge. Very which coveted. Which I am very eager to find out <laughs> what you have done because I actually read an article today about the editor in the badge room, you know, in, in the Blue Peter badge room. You had to do fairly impressive things now to get a Blue Peter badge. So I'm very eager to see. And I'm sure it's not just your prowess as a broadcaster or maybe a fisherman or something. Well, now listen, I don't, know what don't it is. jump the gun there. Stay with us on Late Lunch, final break of the afternoon, and you will find out afterwards how I earned my Blue Peter badge. Blue Peter is 60 today and James O'Neill is a big fan of the show. He always has been since childhood and just before coming on air today, I caught up with James and I began by asking him if he recalled the first time he ever watched Blue Peter. I thought it was in black and white anyway. That I can tell you. 
I could never understand they were always talking about these lovely coloured jumpers they were wearing. But uh, what was his name? John Oakes. L- lovely big uh, iron kind of knitted jumpers that had loads of different colours in it. So we could never see them, you know? Interesting you say that because I was the same. I remember it first in black and white before the colour came. Yeah. I, th- I think it was in the early, the early 70s when the colour, I think. Yes, it was, James. If I, if I remember correctly, yeah. We got we got a television just as I started walking. I actually was able to, I remember, bring home money and we bought a colour TV with the money, you know? And you were able to see Blue Peter in technical. In colour, and that's when I remember that uh, it was colours in, in these jumpers that John was wearing. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> you mentioned John Noakes there, Valerie Singleton, Peter Purvis. Were they the presenters you began with? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, No, Leslie. Remember Leslie? Leslie Judd. George was a George. Yes, she came on then when I think yeah. Valerie left at that stage, right, yeah. and that was the start of the transition. What do you remember yeah. in particular about Blue Peter? What did it bring to you? Ingenuity. I had to solve problems, funny enough, by making stuff out of nothing. Improvisation, that's probably the best word to use. I learned all about improvisation. Using scraps and bits of pieces of paper, piece of paper piece of cardboard to make something that you could play with, or that could actually be somewhat functional. Toilet rolls, coat yeah. hangers, oh, used God, yeah. washing up liquid bottles, yeah. all yeah. that type of stuff. Yeah, despite parents going mad, everything was being dumped down the sink and all the toilet paper flushed down the toilet <laughs> roll. <laughs> it caused more rows than houses, that's what I can assure you. So that's what you did, you tried to get rid of as much toilet paper as you could to get the centre a little roll. Oh yeah, fairy didn't last long in that house. <laughs> <laughs> down the sink. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! How times oh, yeah. have changed. Oh, isn't it just because they were great? You could make great rockets out of anything, you know. Mm. That and a bicycle pump. Whoever knew, you know. But it just shows you, James. You know the creative mind encouraged by this program. And that's what was so good about it. the problem we have now is children are rare on the nipple of technology instead of you know the breast, the nipple of the breast. And there is the problem: the kids don't have that ingenuity. They don't try to problem solve something, you know, but what they have in front of them. Absolutely, it is the difficulty of today. When you re- reflect on, on the show, and there were some funny moments in it, is there any <laughs> stick in your mind in particular? I remember the, was a patch with the dog's name Peen on John's leg one day, and I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> and I actually can't believe the air that he didn't edit. Yeah, you see, a lot of it happened live, you know, so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. there was no editing on it. Do you remember the elephant? Oh, my God, I brought that one up. <laughs> Do you know I was afraid when we were going to the zoo to see elephants? I'll tell you what was a very interesting thing. They brought in the garden. Remember they opened the garden? And they started grow- growing stuff in the garden. That was actually a great idea. And do you know who the gardener was? Oh, God. Well, I'll tell you because I remember because I'm a keen gardener, as you know myself. Percy right. Thrower. Yeah. I remember that now. That sort of as well was another aspect of the educational end of this, James. Yeah, yeah. And then I had to keep watching it anyway for years afterwards because, of course, they brought in my, my favourite... Uh, Position, uh, Mike Oldfield. He made the, the team tune. Yeah, so that was a big point for you. Oh and yeah, afterwards, yeah, afterwards, yeah. You mentioned the garden there. Do you remember yeah. when they buried the capsule? Yes, I do. And do you want to know something? No one knew what that was. So we all started trying to do it in the schools, and he'd done the, the time capsules. And we're like, oh, what's a time capsule? <laughs> and it was a big buzzword. And then we went to all the schools. We all started burying them in the schools. It started a craze of burying capsules all over. I remember we buried one in, 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 the, in the garden of... Actually, it'd be scholars now. I wonder what ever happened, that one. The CBS. Mm. There's one there somewhere. Yeah. 
Interesting, interesting. It'll be found some day, many moons hence, and they'll be wondering. <laughs> but do you know what happened, James, with the Blue Peter capsule? They lifted it in the millennium year. They had buried it in the 70s, but when they opened the box, everything was destroyed because the dampness and everything got into the box. If I remember correctly, right, the one we had was stainless steel, and it was something that came from the hospital. So we have a story on late lunch this afternoon. There is a stainless steel capsule buried in the grounds of the now Scholars uh, restaurant that should be intact because it was a mighty piece of gear. Classroom photos were all put into it. There was a fellow put in it because at that time, a lot of us didn't have pens. We had used to use... I actually used to collect the feathers on the way up from Marion Park coming across along the the Dominic's Bridges there collecting all the seagulls feathers because they were great for cutting and making quills out of you know, dipping in the ink. Yeah. I remember we put, we put one of the feathers in. Yeah, so you remember some of the things. So in some future date, that may be extracted and we're recording it for posterity today in case anybody ever does come across something on the grounds of scholars. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be all over there with a metal detective now. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) they just might. Anyway, you have your Blue Peter badge. I still have one. I gave you one. You did? And I treasure it, and I hold it dearly. Remind me again how you got the badges. The first one was I made a model of Millmount, and the next one, as far as I remember, I made a model of Landersgate. I actually made a few things, and I sent them off to them, you know? Paper mache at the time, used to make everything out of. I made something out of lollipop sticks. Oh, the viaduct, the buying viaduct. I made a buying viaduct out of lollipop sticks and matches. Brilliant. And my father got that shipped over through, because my father was a train driver. And uh, actually, there was a bit of a story in that too, where he was he went up to Northern Ireland. I got the train drivers to bring it all the way down to London from Northern Ireland. And it was all shipped over that didn't get damaged, you know. And you got two badges from Blue Peter. I got two badges from Blue Peter. And I got something else. I think I did say to you, I got a Cracker Jack cancer. Woo! <laughs> five to five Fridays. Yeah, <laughs> I do indeed. Oh, we're certainly showing our age now, James O'Neill. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. The best days are definitely out now. <laughs> we are. We are. Anyway, listen, thank you for taking the time oh, to, look, to take this call. Any time. Delighted to talk to you, Terry. Happy birthday, Blue Peter. Yes, happy birthday, Blue Peter. I say it again. Now you know how I got me bad. So you cheated. And no. poor James that actually did all the work and made the Lawrence's Gate and made Mill Mount and spent all the his mother's washing up liquid down the drain and <laughs> toilet roll holders and everything else, which I'm sure she was delighted about, by the way. You then, to- you were just given one. So that's not, that's do you not know why I was given one? Do you know why I was given one? Because a few years back, we were here talking about it on the show. I don't know, there was some um, occasion as well and it came up and James arrived with with a badge me but actually don't tell anybody I have two badges and how do you have two Sean Fagan gave me one as well I <laughs> know oh, no. look, look, look that's not I'd love a Blue Peter badge can sorry. I now have a Blue Peter sorry, badge sorry 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 for putting no, up no, with no, you no, no? no could no. that not be my uh, feat in you'll you know be, you'll be canonised <laughs> Pope Francis will be putting you forward for sainthood working with me never mind a Blue Peter badge oh. <laughs> and you know it's kind of like a thing now you know when when someone says uh, when they boast about something that they've done and they yeah. think they're great and someone goes what do you want a Blue yeah. Peter badge it's like a thing isn't it <laughs> I'll tell you one badge I haven't got and I never want. Jim will fix it for me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I don't think anyone Jesus, wants that's that That's something. We'll never be talking about that in the shop. <laughs> a Cracker Jack pencil. Do you remember Cracker Jack? No. It's Friday. Now. It's five to five. 
and it's Cracker Jack and all the kids went Ray! another BBC one as well on Friday evening <laughs> it was a, a, an entertainment show for children that was another, so James got the Cracker Jack pencil I'd say there's not too many no. have, have those Would as well Would you say that'd be worth something now? Ah Might bit be. by bit yes, for the memorabilia sure. no, they issued loads of them at the, at the time you know I don't know as they're lost and the years go on yes a little bit of value comes onto them now there's a thought I'll have to go to the Antiques Roadshow we'll have to bring James and he can bring his Cracker Jack pencil and see what they say about it <laughs> Anyway, we just fondly remember Blue Peter this afternoon, all the joy that it brought to us. And I have to say as well, how creative it made us. And I despair for today. And I say to parents, get your children back creating and making and doing the simple things and get them off them bloody devices that are only causing problems for people. And I welcome and embrace technology, but it's a bloody scourge as well. Simplicity. You can't beat it. Anyway, we leave you today on Late Lunch with a glow. Uh, You've picked this one well, Miss Sinead. I have indeed. Introduce it. Here is Picture This, reminding us when we were young. See you tomorrow. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.